Well, again, so glad each and every one of you is here with us as we are continuing our teaching series, Extraordinary Love, Extraordinary Love. And as we begin this teaching series today, as far as jumping into the teaching part of this morning's gathering and journeying through the book of Hosea, which is really to journey through the life of the prophet Hosea, I want you to think with me about somebody that you know really, really well. Who's somebody that you know really really well. You would say, man, I know them really, really, really good. I know them so well. You know, th- these, man, we're, we're really, really, really close. I, I know for me, somebody when I think of that I know really, really well, I think of, of my friend, uh, Saquon Barkley. And Saquon Barkley and I, we, we actually shared the stage together. Uh, Saquon, you can put that picture up. Yeah, me and Saquon, that's Saquon right there. And that's me doing this. Saying, that a boy, Saquon, yeah, and this was part of uh, Saquon Day, and, and we're, we're, they were celebrating Saquon, but I shared a stage with Saquon, I got to meet Saquon, I got to tell him, hey, I'm more than happy to be your spiritual advisor if you need one, Saquon, told him, I told his people that, they didn't get back to me yet, so, you know, there's still hope for that, but, but all this to say is, I know Saquon, we're, we're like this, we're tight, we're tight. Because I met him at this event. That's how I would say we're tight. And you'd be like, no, no, you don't know Saquon. Like, yes, you know about Saquon. Yes, you met Saquon. Yes, you may have been in a picture with Saquon. But that's different than knowing Saquon, right? That's just totally a different thing to know somebody. So when we talk about the word knowing someone, what are we talking about? Well, there's a Hebrew word that really helps us to understand how we really know that we can really know someone. How do we, again, this question, how do you know that you really know someone? And this Hebrew word is simply this. It's yada, not yoda. It's yada. Say yada with me. Yada, yada, yada. And yada, it simply means is an act involving concerns, inner engagement, dedication, or attachment to a person. And this comes from Ann Voskamp's book, Waymaker, as she describes that Hebrew word, it's, it's this idea of, of being intimately aware and knowledgeable about another person. Because when you look at this picture that I showed you, you see me clapping for Saquon. Yes, he's coming near me. But there's a person who actually has yada with me. And that person is the other guy, my identical twin brother. It's actually his birthday, too, in case you didn't know. Uh, you know, and, and he knows me really, really well. Like, he's one of my, my best friends, one of my, my closest friends. We, we have shared all of our life together. And we have an intimate knowledge and awareness of the other. It, it's like uh, what Jack and Dee Nonamaker are experiencing. Today marks 44 years ago when they actually met. And Jack and Dee, yeah, let's give it up for them. And that's where the song Jack and Dee... You know, a little uh, John Mellencamp song. Uh, that's where it was inspired by, right? By their, their love story. But they've yachted with one another. They know each other that well. But again, I want you to be thinking about this because God's heart towards you is for you to know him as he knows you. See, God desires for us to share in life with him. It's not that he has a lack of knowledge of who we are. But he knows that we often have a lack of knowledge, a lack of yada of who he is. And more than him knowing us 
and the ins and outs of us. He wants to share in life with us. You know, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between I know about somebody and about their interests and, and their likes and dislikes, and there's a whole other experience when I share in life with them. That's just different, right? That's different. It's what, again, Jack and Dee have experienced. I've experienced with my twin brother. It's what I've experienced with my bride. My bride celebrated uh, my first birthday with me as far as when we were together when I was 18 years old. So from 18, today I'm turned 42, from 18 to 42, we've shared a lot of life, a lot of birthdays together. We've had a lot of yada, right? We know of the other. We know each other so well. See, God wants you to know him. So how do we get to know him? And I want us to hear as we read through this passage today, as we're going to be going through Hosea 4, 5, and 6. And we're not going to get to every one of the verses. I want to invite you on your own time to read these verses. But I want you to hear God's heart and desire and anguish for the people of God, the nation of Israel, not wanting to know him. They don't want to yada him. They don't want to know him. And what he talks about and what he says about that is revealing to us about how we actually get to know him. How we have this intimate communion and relationship with him. So again, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up with me to Hosea chapter 4. We're going to jump right in and we're going to just go through these verses and I'm going to take some time to park a bit and we'll talk them through. But listen to what it says here. It says, hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There is only cursing, lying, and murder, stealing, and adultery. They break all bonds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Because of this, the land dries up, and all who live in it waste away. The beast of the field, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea are swept away. And so when you hear what God is saying, again, the picture for Hosea was to marry a woman who was unfaithful. Last week we saw how he had to go back and buy his wife, Gomer, who had sold herself into prostitution. He bought her back, and not, he didn't treat her as a prostitute. He treated her as she was to him, his wife, even though she hadn't acted as his wife. And so God is constantly pointing the nation of Israel back to their unfaithfulness using this picture of Hosea and Gomer. And he says, as you think about the charges in the land, there's no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. In other words, these people don't want God. They don't want his ways. They don't want what he's about which is about faithfulness, love, and acknowledgement, which is another way to say yada. They don't want to yada him. They don't want to experience the fullness of life that he's created and intended to be shared with him and with others. And he says the consequence when we step outside of God's design for our lives is on display. There's cursing, lying, murder, stealing, and adultery. They break all bonds break all bonds and bloodshed follows bloodshed because whenever we miss God's design for us who he's created us to be and who he's created all humanity to be all of a sudden our imago day 
the fact that we're image bearers of God, we end up not flourishing and thriving, but that impacts our relationships to each other as well. Because when I don't understand that I have been given a design by a designer and to choose to follow him is going to either lead to flourishing or going to lead to death if I decide not to, then that's going to turn the way I relate to others because all of a sudden, people around me are just objects. I start to objectify people. I start to treat them lesser than they are. And that can start by a a small view of myself. We can constantly have a position and perspective of ourselves of disappointment. All I am is a disappointment. And when you start letting that just play over and over and over and over again, then all that you'll see around life is your disappointments and your disappointments with others. These are ways in which we do that. And there's all kinds of ways we objectify people. We objectify people that we don't agree with. We dehumanize them. We make them their political ideology or their categories. Or, Or the way in which we look at the opposite sex or treat people. Or the way we in, in, engage in things like pornography. We start to, to limit and belittle what it is that God says of the other. And there's a lot of times, there's deeper reasons for that. But oftentimes, that's because we're out of line with his design. And it's okay to acknowledge, hey, I'm falling short here. And I want to come back to what God has for me. But that's not what the nation of Israel was doing. They weren't doing it. They weren't living that way. And it says that not only does it affect them and each other it affects the land it affects all of creation it reminds me of what paul talks about in romans 8 that all creation is groaning there's this groaning because when we're out of alignment with god's design it not only impacts us but it impacts our relationships with others it impacts all of humanity and what hosea is charging the people with as god is bringing these charges against them is hey you are out of line you are out of line with what God has intended and created you for. Well, it continues on here, and it says this. It says, But let no one bring a charge, let no one accuse another, for your people are like those who bring charges against a priest. You stumble day and night, and the prophets stumble with you. So I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you, as my priest, because you have ignored the law of your God. I will also ignore your children. And so there's imagery that he's using. He's talking about the mother, which really speaks to the nation of Israel. He's, he's talking about the nation and how the, the leadership within the nation is impacting the children and even how the priests and the prophets are stumbling. They're, they're getting entrapped in, in with things that are outside of what God has created them for. And he says the people perish from a lack of knowledge. In other words, the priests weren't doing their part to proclaim the ways of God to the people. But also the people weren't responding to the ways of God. They, they weren't being people that would meditate on God's law day and night. They weren't people who were allowing the word of God to lead who they are and what they were about. It wasn't just that they didn't have information. It was just that the information didn't change to transformation that would lead to multiplication. And, you know, for us here in America, as we're an American church and and we're founded here in the United States of America, one of the challenges for us as followers of Jesus here is that we oftentimes don't 
have a lack of information, but as I said, we have a lack of transformation that leads to multiplication. Because many of us have been brought up on the school of thought that discipleship is meant to be more like an information-based model, where you come, you listen to somebody talk about the Word of God, and you, they take that, you take that information, you download it and who you are, and then you're like, okay, great, I have this fact about fill in the blank. I have this information about fill in the blank. But nowhere do you actually see that in the New Testament. In the New Testament, yes, you see people who are charged with proclaiming God's word and teaching God's word. Yes, absolutely. But it's always meant to lead to obedience-based disciple-making and discipleship. Meaning that when I hear the word, my response to God's word is to say, yes, I will follow what you ask of me. I believe you know what's best for me. And when I'm staying in line with your design, the boundary lines you have for me, I flourish. And when I step outside of that, I don't experience flourishing. Not only do I not flourish, but others don't flourish around me. And so as we think about that in our own lives, I, I want to encourage us to be people who say, God, what is it that you're asking me to do with your word? What is it that you're asking me to learn about who you are? and about what it is you have for me, and what do you want me to apply and put into practice in response to what it is you've done for me? Because you have done the work for me. I get to respond to your invitation to the finished work of Jesus to join in you in the pursuit of knowing you. Because the lack of knowledge right now isn't just the information-based disciple-making versus obedience-based disciple-making. I really believe the other part of this is I don't think many are reading the Bible in the church. I think that's part of the problem. That if your only time of hearing God's word is on a Sunday morning or listening to a podcast or reading, reading uh, someone's thoughts about the Bible, that's different than you getting in the Bible yourself on a regular basis to encounter the word who took on flesh, Jesus and dwelt among us, to, to join him and, and who he is, to allow our character to be transformed to the character of Christ, and our competencies to join the competencies of Christ in the way of Jesus. Because again, I, I want to just encourage us, we need to be regularly, regularly spending time in God's word. And if you're like, I don't know how to read the Bible, hey, I want to help you do that. We want to help you at Riverbend. But there are creative ways to take in God's word. You can open the Bible I like to, at times, do that. I also like to listen to the Bible. I like to listen to the Bible. There's a, a friend of mine who started a, a podcast called uh, More Than Bread, or, you know, and, and really talking about listening to God's Word, and he just reads through the Gospel of Mark and gives some highlights and thoughts. But these are ways that you can take in God's Word. But what happened here was that they didn't want to yada God. They didn't want what he was wanting for them and what he had for them. They were, again, they were, as it says here, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. Is that said of you? Is that said of me? That we're not encountering him in meaningful and real ways in our lives and that we're not responding or that we're people that say, hey, I like this part of what you say in your Bible and the word of God, but these other parts, no thank you. No thank you. I, I'm not giving you access to my sexuality. I'm not giving you access to my finances. I'm not giving you access to my relationships. No, 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 no. I'm not. 
And we miss what he has for us. We experience destruction, not thriving in life to the full. And he's inviting us into it. Well, it continues on here in Hosea. It says, the more priests there were, the more they sinned against me. They exchanged their glorious God for something disgraceful. They feed on the sins of my people and relish their wickedness. And relish their wickedness. And it will be like people, like priests, I will punish both of them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They will eat but not have enough. They will engage in prostitution but not flourish because they have deserted the Lord to give themselves. And so as you think about what he's saying, again, you're hearing more of, of really this indictment against them. They've made an exchange. They've exchanged their glorious God for something disgraceful, something shameful, something that won't lead to life. They're relishing in this way of life that's apart from what God has intended and created them for. And you know, as you think about what he says of them, you'll notice that it says that they'll eat, but they'll never have enough. Because walking away from the ways of God, it tastes good going down. But it always leads you regretting that you did it, right? It leads you regretting it. it it's not about whether it tastes good or not going down, but you regret it. The, the impact of what it does to you leads you with this un, unmet hunger and appetite that only Jesus can satisfy. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the living water. Jesus says, hey, come to me, all you who are thirsty, and, and, I, and I'll let you drink and, and thirst no more. His invitation to us is available. But this is what the people are experiencing. And I want to just say for all of us, I think when we live this way, when we live this way, we all have moments where it's like, oh, this is great. But then we start to realize, I'm still thirsty. I'm still longing. This cannot meet the deeper yearnings in my life. This cannot satisfy what my soul was created for. It's like drinking salt water, right? It looks like water, but when, when you start drinking salt water and you take it, man, that's not going to satisfy you. It's just going to make you more thirsty. It's going to make you more thirsty in the same way when we walk away from God's design. It just makes us thirsty for more and more of something that can't satisfy us apart from him. Well, it continues on here, and it says, this is a going to Hosea 5, their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. A spirit of prostitution is in their heart. They do not acknowledge the Lord. Israel's ignorance testifies against them. The Israelites, even if Ephraim, Ephraim stumble in their sin, Judah also stumbles with them. When they go with their flocks and herds to seek the Lord, they will not find him. He has withdrawn himself from them and when it talks about Ephraim what it's talking about is really this large the largest tribe within the nation of Israel which really speaks to the nation of Israel and he says of them when when their deeds again they don't their deeds their way of life doesn't permit them to return to the Lord a spirit of prostitution is in their heart in other words they're seeking after other things and in this context they actually were seeking God's in a way that was not only outside of God's design, but they were, they were sacrificing to temple prostitutes. They were involving in things like this for the sake of experiencing being more fertile, 
They, they had this in their mind. This wasn't the way of life, though, that God had created for them. And he says, again, they don't acknowledge me. They don't yell at me. They don't want to know me. There's a stumbling that's going on. So as we think about what's said here, a couple things I want to give to us. First is this. Who and what are you giving yourself to? Who and what are you giving yourself to right now? What, what is it in your life that you're pursuing, you're chasing, you're building your life around? What is it, again, what is it, who is it that you're doing that with? I want you to be thinking about that in your own life. Who and what are you giving yourself to? Because in the book of Hosea, it's really about getting to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is that they profess stuff with their lips, but their hearts, as Jesus would say, was far removed from him and his ways. And the nation of Israel was experiencing that. The nation of Israel was experiencing a way of life, again, that was outside of what God had created. Again, we know God when we give ourselves to him. And this daily surrender, this choosing to come after him is so key. And one of the ways that we do that is to get in God's word, to get in the Bible, to get in the Bible, to get into the scriptures, not just to know information, but let that information lead to transformation from the inside out that then will lead to multiplication, multiplying of disciples, multiplying of impact in, in lives of others, multiplying and joining what it is that he has for us. So here's a question for you. Do you regularly read the Bible so that the Bible can read you? Because we're not just meant to read the Bible. The Bible's meant to read us too. Where is there a misalignment? Where is there, as we read the scriptures, where we look at the way of Jesus, we're seeing these promptings, these leadings that he's inviting us into? Where is it that he's inviting us to continue to join him and to grow? But do you regularly get in the Bible, not just to check it off a list or not just to say, oh, I know more information, but no, to more deeply fall in love with Jesus, to join Jesus and what he has for you. He wants to yada you and he wants you to yada him. He wants you to know him in that kind of way. He desires for you to experience that. Well, as we continue on here in Hosea, it says this, when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his sores, and then Ephraim turned to Assyria and sent to the great king for help. But he is not able to cure you, not able to heal your sores, sores. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim, like a great lion to Judah. I will tear them to pieces and go away. I will carry them off with no one to rescue them. You notice that when they see their sickness, when they see their source, their response isn't to go to the one true God. It's to go to another king, another political power, another ruler. And aren't we like that too? Don't we often not think, hey, I have this relationship with a living God who deeply cares for me and wants to bring healing? That, that as we read through the Gospels and we hear the way of Jesus, he's come to set the captives free. He's come to loosen the things that binds us and holds us captive. He, he's come to set the prisoner free. I mean, these things that Jesus invites us to, it's so easy to look at them and like, I can't believe they're doing this. But this is the human experience too, is it not? That we look to somebody else, whether it's a political power, whether it's 
some kind of platform, whether it's our vocation, our family, and not that those things in themselves don't have a place, but when they become the thing that we look to to bring ultimate healing in our lives, we've got a problem. We've got a problem. We're missing what he wants to do for us. Because he says again, for I will be like a lion, and a, like a great lion, and I will tear them to pieces and go away, and I will carry them off with no one to rescue them. And you're hearing this, and you're like, wow, this is really not good. <laughs> it's not good what is said here. But you know, oftentimes in life, before we get to the good part of what we want to experience, we've got to acknowledge the bad part. Recently, I had an experience like that. This week, I... Uh, been, well, let me start by saying in 2022, I've been really working on making sure I go to the dentist on a regular basis. I have a, a fear of the dentist, okay? So it's been something I've been trying to really address head on. And so I've been doing it. Man, the dentist was like, your teeth look great, amazing, been a couple times. But then all of a sudden, I started having some tooth pain, and I didn't ignore the dentist. I went to the dentist. They're like, everything looks okay on our end. I'm not sure what's going on with you. And then I talked to my, my good friend. Uh, Dr. Greg Dimmick, who's an oral surgeon. He's part of our church here. And I was explaining to him what happened, and he said, it sounds like there, there may be some type of sinus thing, but it may be that the roots are, are damaged a bit, that there's, you may need a, a root canal. And I said, don't say that. Please don't say that. Don't say the RC word. Don't, don't say the RC word. <laughs> don't say it. And then I get a call from his office as I'd reached out to them. He's like, well, come in. And we'll do a CT scan to see, that will allow us to get to the roots and see how they're, they're looking. And he said in a very, very kind way, I know you're not going to want to hear this, but you're going to need a root canal. And I, I'm, I'm sorry to say that, you know, but it's only going to get worse if you ignore it. And I said, well, thank you for your advice. I'll take it from here. I'll do whatever I want to do. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about, Dr. Demick. Clearly, clearly, I know my teeth better than you. You know, I've had them for 42 years, right? Like, I know what's going on. No, I didn't say that. I, I humbly listened and said, yes, you're right. I need to do that. And so I followed up with, I have an appointment uh, on August 16th uh, to, to deal with it, which I'm not looking forward to. But here's the deal. To get to the place of health for that area of my tooth, I need to go do this. I have to get to the root issue. Because if I don't get to the root issue change and transformation and healing of that tooth is only not going to happen, but it will get worse. Sickness will not go away. They can continue to give me antibiotics, but the infections will come back. And you know, in the same way, what Hosea is saying to the people and what God's getting to them about is, hey, there's some deep things within you that we have to go to work on in order for you to experience what I've created you for. In order for you to be a nation that's to shine that's to be different than other nations, to point to the one true God. We've got to deal with these deep things within you. Well, it continues on here. It says, Then I will return to my lair until they have bore their guilt and seek my face. In their misery, they will earnestly seek me. See, when we're in pain, when we're in misery, it's called, like I called the doctor, Dr. Demick. Hey, I need your help. I need you to help me here. You know, we start to seek out to, to the one true God. And he says, hey, listen, in our pain, in our misery, they were starting to seek God. And listen to what Hosea leads them through. It says this, come, let us return to the Lord. 
He has torn us to pieces, but He will heal us. He has injured us, but will bind up our wounds. And so He's saying, hey, let's, let's return to Him. Let's, let's have a deep, deep repentance, a deep grieving of what we've done. Again, He's torn us to pieces. Let's see, let's look at what's happened in our lives. But let's go to Him to experience His healing hand and His healing touch. He'll bind up our wounds. And then it goes on to say this. After two days, He will revive us. On the third day, He will restore us that we may live in His presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us yada again, that word. Let's deeply know Him. Let's walk with Him. Let's commune with Him. Let us press on to acknowledge Him. As surely as the sun rises, He will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. And all this like going at him, mm, 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 to get to this point of saying, hey, let's come to him. Let's in faith believe what he's able to do. That he's able to revive us, to restore us. Let, let's acknowledge him. Let us press on to him. Let us continue to pursue who he is. Let's experience his refreshing in our lives. And it's really interesting that when you read through what it says here about after two days he will revive us, on the third day he will restore us, it's really an image of what we will see perfectly done through what Jesus would do for us, right? Through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, right? In three days he, he rises from the dead. He brings about this renewal, this rest restoration for us so that we can experience not only a right relationship with him, but that we can join him and what he has for us. It's beautiful to think about. And so as we continue on here, I want us to read some of the other parts of this. It says, what can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the word, words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. As at Adam, they have broken the covenant. They were unfaithful to me there. And so as we think about what Hosea leads them to and invites them to, God reminds them, hey, there's still, there's still judgment that's going to come, but this judgment isn't meant to cause you not to experience me, but rather to come to me. But he says, I want something more from you than just sacrifice. I want mercy. And it's interesting, Jesus actually quotes this twice in his ministry. He says, you know, I desire, I desire mercy. And really, this mercy is, first of all, to understand the mercy we've received from God. That he doesn't give us what we deserve. But in turn, it impacts the way that we respond to others. In fact, when this is quoted from the ministry of Jesus. It's, it's with Matthew, the tax collector. That's one of the references. And, and they're like, why are you hanging out with this sinner, this sick, sick guy, this traitor? And Jesus says, it's not the, you know, it's, it's the, the sick that need a doctor, not the well, right? And he says this, he quotes this verse, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. It's also quoted when he talks about being the Lord of the Sabbath and, and the rest that he comes to give because people are like, how can you be doing this on the Sabbath day? Like, how, how can you be doing these types of things? But again, he's desiring more, more than sacrifice. He wants mercy. He wants devotion. 
He wants to yada us. He wants to, to know us in that way. An acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings because they were still making offerings. They were still sacrificing. But again, he wanted more than that. He wanted them. He wants you. He wants me. He wants a relationship with us. It's beautiful to think about. And the great lengths that he would do because it says just like Adam broke the covenant, so these people break the covenant. And so you and I have broken the covenant. But there's one who fulfills the covenant. And his name is Jesus. Jesus does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Because in our brokenness, in our despair, in the failings, in the shame, in the ways in which we've sought others to fulfill what only he could do, he meets us there. He meets us there. And he provides a way through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. He's faithful even when we're unfaithful. And he goes towards us. But he's inviting us to come towards him as well. So as we think about this, a couple things to give you. When does an apology sound sincere and insincere? I want you to think about this because this is part of what he's getting at. He says, I want more than the trappings. I want something deeper within you. I want a deep surrender and a deep trust. I want mercy, right? I want, I want to see mercy and I want to see an acknowledgement of God. Not just, hey, I acknowledge you. Yeah, hey, big guy, I see you up there. Not that, right? The yada. Intimate knowledge. Intimate sharing of life. Walking through life to respond in that way. But he's saying to them, hey, listen, I want something that's sincere. And you know what? As you think about your own kids and you've been teaching your kids about apologizing, I know I've had this experience with Ray that it's one thing for him to come up to someone, sorry. Does that seem sincere to you? No, right? No one's like, oh yeah, that, that guy, he's contrite, right? He's like brokenhearted about what he did, what he said, you know? Or he's like, my mom's making me say this. My dad's making me say this, right? That's not sincere. But how many times are we like that? How many times are we like that with our, with our heavenly father? We've got some honest people up here, which I like. Because we're all like that, right? We're all at times insincere. We don't want to acknowledge him and his ways in our lives. We would rather keep doing what we're doing. We don't want to give him access. And this is what he's saying to the nation of Israel. I want sincerity. I don't want just lip service. Which brings us here. See, God doesn't want lip service, but life change. And he ultimately wants you and me. He doesn't just want what I'm saying. Yes, he wants my affections through my, my words. He wants me to give him thanks. Absolutely, that is true. That is 100% right. I should tell others of his good deeds. Absolutely, should do that. I should be doing those types of things. But he wants more than that. He wants more than that. He wants all of me in response to him. Because he gave all of himself to me. To walk with him. And to say, I'm giving you every part of who I am. My, my thoughts, my plans, my ideas, my actions, my relationships, my finances. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you everything. And I'm surrendering myself to you and letting you lead me. And again, this isn't about perfection. I don't want you to miss that. This is a, a progress. This is us journeying with. This is allowing him to lovingly come to us with the areas in our life that we need to grow in. Because when he comes to us, he never comes at us like this, pointing the finger like this. Hey, you. Like, <laughs> like, you know? He comes to us kindly, but truthfully. 
He comes to us. At times it hurts. Right? It's like the good doctor, Dr. Demick, telling me something I don't want to hear. But Dr. Demick did it in such a good way. My, my son who was with me at the appointment said, that Dr. Demick, he is so nice. He's like Doc McStuffins. He is just that good. He's like, he's so kind. But you know what? We, we need people like that. We need people to walk with us in that way. But again, as we think about this life change, I want us to hear God wants us. But part of getting us is to experience it with community, with others, and to allow for loving accountability. Because I know Dr. Demick, he's going to ask me, did you keep your appointment? And I need that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So far I've kept it. Yeah. But is that him being unkind to me? No. It's the kindest thing he could do for me right now. It's to be like, hey, follow through. I know you don't want to go. I know you don't want to go, but you need to go. See, we can't experience restoration without repentance. And repentance is such a gift for us because repentance is an acknowledgement of God, who he is, and to change our mind and our direction and to join him and what he has for us. Jesus would go around, and as he would proclaim, he says he would preach the kingdom in repentance. He would preach the kingdom of God in repentance because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And friends, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And repentance is a gift for us to give because it allows us to acknowledge where we are off track and to get back on track. Repentance is a gift because it doesn't allow us to think that we have to pretend that we're at a certain place when we're at another place. And we can be honest with safe community and share with others, hey, this is where I'm missing what God has intended for me. It allows me to get back in alignment with his design. Repentance is like when I take my car to the shop. And there's misalignment in it. They have to align it so that everything is as it should be. You know, daily we should be examining our lives where does there need to be repentance? Where do I need to change my mind and my direction and to follow what he has for me? And who will I share what he's showing me with? And how will I let them loving me hold me to what it is that God is asking me of? This is how we walk in the way of repentance. This is how we experience yada, to know him and to walk with him. Let's pray. Father, right now, we thank you for your love for us, and we thank you for how much you've given. And Lord, we just thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for the fact that you do want to know us, and you've made yourself known to us. And so, Lord, today we want to come in humility and gratitude, and we want to say we want to know you. We want to know you. We want to share in our life with you. Help us to be people who are not just hearers of the word, but doers of it. Help us to be people who regularly get in the, the scripture so that the Bible can get in us. It could be a mirror and that it could read us. Help us to be people who prioritize sharing life with others, God. And then, Lord, I pray for anybody who's here who's new to uh, this Jesus thing, and they would say, you know, I have questions or I'm ready to put my trust in him, I pray that they would let us know that as well. Lord, we're grateful for all the ways that you're at work in our midst. We can't wait to see how you take even your word this morning and use it to grow us and to change us, not by our power or by our might, but by the power of the Spirit working within us. And we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name we pray.